It's time for JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? Now there's a new team, and everybody's pretty much new, and I got their back. I want this thing to work. Everybody's got to get on the same page. JT the Brick. Yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be last-second losses. There's going to be a draft pick that doesn't make the team. Whatever it is, it's Raider Nation. JT, me on. Always great to catch up with you and keep it going, okay? I'll talk to you soon, man. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you as we open up another show today on the flagship of the Silver and Black, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, and streaming at Raiders.com, which is a big deal, especially on that Raiders mobile app where you can hear the show anywhere around the world, and it works great. And we're thrilled by that. We're also thrilled that we are sponsored by Golden Entertainment. They own PTs, the Strats, Arizona Charlies, 64-plus taverns here in the Valley. Best happy hour in town. You know that, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. No one competes with that. Half-price drinks, the food menu, gaming, watching sports. They fuel the monologue. We always lead the show and remind everybody of our partnership with PTs. Busy show today, one of those off-season shows where I have a lot planned, and we'll see where it goes. A lot of conversation, so we'll get into that. We have a former Raider alumni coming up a little bit later on in the show that we're working on. We'll fill you in on all of that a little bit later on. Dennis Price, who played from the Raiders in Los Angeles, is going to join us. Jeff Sherman, who is the man over at Jay Cornegy, is the man. He's the director of the sports book, and Jeff Sherman is the VP of Risk Management. He'll talk about some of the moving lines. We're going to get into the NFL, NBA, moving lines, especially on the Raiders. I want to do a deep dive on the Raiders at eight and a half season win total and why. It'll be a really good conversation with someone who knows it as good as anybody in the industry. As I've said, gambling now, I got my uh, mom and dad out here. I'll get into that a little bit. And when my dad was asking me about gambling, he's listening to a little radio. It's the Wild West. There's a bunch of people on the radio who have no clue what they're talking about. I don't gamble, but I put gamblers on the radio. I interview them. I try to, you know, I know the lines. I know where the money's going. I think I have a really good idea in this, but, you know, I'm not betting games. But I'm putting people on who bet more and more as I get into this business, and we're going to do more of it. Coming up here, I'm putting on better and better people who can help you hopefully make money. But now it's the Wild West. You got people popping in on your Twitter timeline and on Facebook asking you to bet on radio they're on radio and they've never bet or we don't know what they do they're brand new on radio so they're not making any money and they're telling you they got to bet on all these games no they don't they, they what are they betting five bucks ten bucks they got like an hour radio show they're not making any money probably so how are they betting <laughs> what are they doing we put on gamblers who make money or people who know the industry and i'm fascinated on this raiders win total and the raiders making the playoffs and what it will take for the raiders to win the division I think it's a huge topic this year in Vegas because the Raiders, a lot of people think they're boom or bust. There's nowhere in between. A bust is if they win eight games and they go down from 10 to 8 and don't make the playoffs. Boom is if they win 11 or 12 games, they make the playoffs and they compete for a home playoff game. And I'm telling you, there are people on both sides of it. Now, this is the home of the Raiders, so most of us are pretty positive on the Raiders or want to be optimistic that the Raiders are going to do well this year and go over that win total and win, you know, 10 games. Last year, I predicted they'd win nine. They won 10. So far this year, I came out with 11 before the schedule came out, and I'm kind of stuck on 10 because of the severity of the schedule and how difficult the schedule is, where the bye week is, where the national game is, all of that. I didn't like the schedule at all. That doesn't mean you don't have to like it. I like going to Nashville and New Orleans. 
I like some of the road trips. I'm not thrilled with the home schedule. I'm not thrilled when, when the games are. And I think that'll have an effect. It'll have an effect with something that'll happen in this season, hopefully for the better, not the worse. But last year, let me tell you, everybody, you all remember, unless you're brand new to this channel and this stream, last year was a best-case scenario considering there was so many problems off the field. From the Henry Ruggs accident to kill Tina Tintor, I bring up her name all the time because it's important, uh, what's happened with other players on that team. And then the new regime has come in and gotten rid of everybody who they don't believe belongs here as a roster player. Everybody's gone who they don't believe. And there's a couple of players still here that they believe have a chance because of their contract status and where they sit. Good players and players on the fence. Alex Leatherwood, Cleland Farrell, Kenyon Drake, Josh Jacobs. Go down the list. Brian Edwards was traded. Why? Because they didn't, they didn't think he fit. He's a good player. No one's doubting he's not a good player. But he didn't fit exactly what Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels wanted. So they got a draft pick for him, and they moved on. And I'm good with that because that's what happens in the real world, at your job, at my job, in the NFL, Major League Baseball, whatever it is. New people come in, and they make decisions. Because a lot of times, new people have to make new decisions. That's why they got hired. And I've been pretty happy with what the Raiders have done so far in the offseason. So that's Jeff Sherman. Bill Williamson. Uh, has a new column out. He's been covering the Raiders 25 years on Derek Carr in the Hall of Fame. That's interesting. That's a headline because Carr is clearly putting up Hall of Fame numbers historically. I think Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. Matt Ryan is a Hall of Famer because Hall of Fame is about what you do individually. Individually. If you win a Super Bowl, great. Dan Marino didn't win a Super Bowl. You don't have to win a Super Bowl. Brad Johnson won a Super Bowl. He's not a Hall of Famer. So for me, the Hall of Fame, for any individual, Cliff Branch is going in, right? Cliff's going in this summer. It's about individual stats. It's nice that Cliff won three Super Bowls. His stats were enormous at that time, which are not big anymore. But at the time, they were. And if you look at it, you throw in the three Super Bowls, it should have got him in 25 years ago. Derek Carr... And I read the column, and I'll, I'll go back and forth with Bill on it. If you look at yards and touchdowns, he's on pace. He is. Ninth year, he's going to play maybe 20. He might play 18, 17 years, which is the going rate. Just multiply the numbers out, and they're Hall of Fame worthy. But I think for Derek, he's going to be one of those guys that's going to need to win in the playoffs. He's going to need to win multiple playoff games. He's going to have to win a Super Bowl if he's going to get in because that's the type of player he is, unless he's going to put up ridiculous ridiculous stats i mean philip rivers has ridiculous stats that's why i think he's a hall of famer he's going to get in without a super bowl Derek's going to be in that same boat as philip rivers he's going to need playoff wins in a super bowl so we'll talk about that and also bill williamson from fox 5 their sports director on the raiders i'll have a media day tomorrow and we'll get a chance to see more of the team and that's where we're going here oh and ryan ludwick former mlb all-star all-star in major leagues. He's got a couple of wild baseball stats. He's getting into the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. And that's a big deal because as we work with Las Vegas events and the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame, which is a great Hall of Fame, he's our guest today. So I'm pretty loaded up. If you want to get in, get in early into the show. 
And again, I'd like you to bring something every time you call in. You don't have to call me every day. I'm not looking for the same callers in the same time slot every day. That's not me. I want to hear people from all over, new callers, people that I've known for 20-plus years, anybody else. You're always welcome to call in if you have something to add to the show, 702-365-9200. So yesterday I was preempted for the Aviators, and the Aviators were on the road, and there will be a few times this year it happens with Vinny's show, my show, that you will be off for a minor league baseball game, which is fine. My mom and dad got into town. And they're with us for the week. They're leaving on Sunday. And yesterday was my favorite day of the year. Fourth, my dad's birthday. He turned 84. And my son turned 21 last night, yesterday. So we had a big dinner at One Steak at Virgin. And a lot of cool people came by. And it was really fun to have my dad and my son, who don't see much of each other because my dad lives back east. And my son's here. He goes to Oklahoma. Get together to see my son order his first wink, wink, legit drink at the bar and get served by the great John O'Donnell, one of the greatest bartenders, legendary bartenders in Vegas history. It was fun, took a lot of pictures, and it was great. And the only problem with yesterday for me and my family, and it's not about me and my family, we were here to celebrate my dad and my son, was the shooting in Texas. And the shooting in Texas ripped through us as a family yesterday. Ripped through us. And especially my mom and my wife, who were really struggling with that, because they saw the images of 10-year-old fourth graders gunned down in school. Now, I typically don't talk about this on sports radio, but I have some balance with Steve Kerr, and we're going to get to Steve Kerr's sound coming up here, the head coach of the Warriors. And again, I don't want to get political. You put something up on Twitter, and then all of a sudden you see psychos on the left and on the right fighting on my Twitter timeline. Like, I need that, right? And you know, I just pray for these people. I pray for those families. I've done a lot of my radio career in Texas, San Antonio, Dallas, Houston. I know the area. And watching that yesterday, as in the background, we're celebrating this milestone for my family. We were gut-wrenched because my wife's a teacher, and she had a master's degree in teaching. She's been a teacher her whole life. Now she's out of that industry. She subs a little bit here. I could see it on my wife's face at dinner. I could see it with her this morning when she went to work. She was crushed absolutely crushed because she's a mom and she's taught kids that age and I don't know my wife is not right today and I'm really hurt by it I'm really hurt by that and what happened yesterday in this country and again I like to keep it to sports because there was a game going to be played Steve Kerr's comments coming up here in a minute it's just our country's insane right now it's absolutely out of control with gun violence it's politically driven no one can get on the same page or power hungry people who don't want to do what's right for this country. And it's just crazy. And I'm just going to leave it at that because I don't want your opinion on it today. I'm not looking for any politics or any NRA talk or gun violence. It just makes me sick to my stomach. I talk for a living, mostly sports radio. I have a couple of podcasts, one with the Raiders. And I, I had to talk about this in the monologue. I had to open up the show with this. And the Buffalo shooting was brutal, and you can tie it into sports as all the Buffalo teams showed up to pay respect with flowers and, and paying their respects to all the people that died in the Buffalo shooting. But this one, with the kids at that age, I mean, no age. It hurts at any age when any human being is taken out via gun violence. But to see those little 10-year-old kids who went to school, went to school, to have a day in school as school is wrapping up for the summer, and those parents couldn't get near those kids, and how to go to the morgue, and how to go to the funeral, 
house. They had to do all this. They didn't even know if their kids were alive. Oh, my God. And I know the Raiders and all teams in this community. You know, we had the biggest massacre here in Vegas, and we were on the radio for all that, uh, working along with the Golden Knights to put Derek England on the radio and the athletes who would come on the radio and talk about that. And I'm just sick. I'm sick to my stomach today. It doesn't feel right. We all get on with our lives, and hopefully something will change, and we know it won't change because we are a politically divided country. We will remain politically triggered and just a country that just can't come together, especially on this topic, and it's sickening to me. So that brings me to Steve Kerr, who before the game last night, and I I tweeted out before the game, I couldn't believe that Dallas was a one-point favorite. I didn't get it. I mean, the Warriors don't want to play any more games. Warriors, every extra game they have to play is not not beneficial to the Warriors. So I thought the Warriors were just going to hammer away at Dallas. And if I bet on that, I would have lost because Dallas was able to cover and cover easily and win the game. But you could tell the Warrior organization was affected deeply because here's Steve Kerr, the head coach, who talks freely on all topics. This was him before the game. Since we left shoot-around, 14 children were killed 400 miles from here and a teacher. And in the last 10 days, we've had elderly black people killed in a supermarket in Buffalo. We've had Asian churchgoers killed in Southern California. And now we have children murdered at school. When are we going to do something? I'm tired. I'm, I'm so tired of getting up here and offering condolences to to the devastated families that are out there. I'm so tired of the, excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm tired of the moments of silence. Enough. That's Steve Kerr. He's got a a global track record in sports. Also, his father was assassinated by gun violence. And he's very important on this topic because he's one of the few people who will speak. I don't agree with everything he says. On this topic, I do, but I don't agree with everything he says, nor do I agree with anything anyone else says, everything. But I have a lot of respect for Steve Kerr because most baseball managers, most people in sports would not, get, would not get up in front of a microphone and say what Steve Kerr did yesterday before a game in the Western Conference Finals and do that. You can imagine what was going on in that Warriors locker room before the game, more from Steve Kerr yesterday pregame. There's 50 senators right now who refuse to vote on H.R. 8, which is a background check rule that the House passed a couple of years ago. It's been sitting there for two years. And there's a reason they won't vote on it, to hold on to power. So I ask you, Mitch McConnell, I ask all of you senators who refuse to do anything about the violence and school shootings and supermarket shootings, I ask you, are you going to put your own desire for power ahead of the lives of our children? and our elderly, and our churchgoers, because that's what it looks like. It's what we do every week. So I'm fed up. I've had enough. We're going to play the game tonight. But I want every person here, every person listening to this, to think about your own child or grandchild or mother or father or sister or brother. How would you feel if this happened to you today? That's very strong words from Steve Kerr. I mean, those are tremendously brave words from Steve Kerr to do that and everybody in the world picked up on it because he's famous he's world famous as an nba champion player and coach and he has a big voice here and again for steve kerr to do this you could tell how it affected him i think it probably affected that organization and affected the fans that were in the building last night i mean this is much bigger than sports more of steve kerr we can't get numb to this we can't sit here 
and just read about it and go, well, let's have a moment of silence. Yeah, go Dubs, you know, come on Mavs, let's go. That's what we're going to do. We're going to go play a basketball game. And, the, and 50 senators in Washington are going to hold us hostage. You realize that 90% of Americans, regardless of political party, want background check, universal background check. 90% of us, we are being held hostage by 50 senators in Washington who refuse to even put it to a vote, despite what we, the American people, want. They won't vote on it because they want to hold on to their own power. It's pathetic. I've had enough. So that's Steve Kerr. And again, I don't want to take calls today on your opinion on the NRA and ARs and what happened here. If you want to tie it into sports and Steve Kerr, of course, of course, we have an open format here as we open up the show, 702-365-9200. So there is a lot of that going on today, and it's much bigger than sports. And that's what that's what life's supposed to be about. Sports is supposed to be an escape. It, it is. It's supposed to be an escape. I've been on the radio 25 years uninterrupted. I've been on during wars, 9-11, mass shootings, horrific stories that have an effect on me, that affect my life, some more than others, and I go on, and I'm trying to talk sports. Today is one of the tougher days because of the reaction of my wife and my mom, who happens to be visiting here, and I can't imagine what it's like in your household and what it's like in your household anywhere you're streaming and listening around, especially those who are outside the country that look to America and say, what is going on with America? This is now commonplace. You know it's happening. It's going to happen again, and we don't do anything about it. It's insanity where this country is today on this topic. I am disgusted by it, just like Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr has a bigger voice than I do. You can hear it in his voice here as we open up the show. So just tough. I can't imagine what you're going through. And if people are affected by this directly with families and cousins and friends from Buffalo to Columbine to Sandy Hook to what we see, we're together as a sports community, uh, Raider Nation, Golden Knights, UNLV, whatever it is, doing a Vegas show today. And uh, that's where my head's at. My head's not into anything else today other than that. But I'm going to do the best I can here. And I Hope you appreciate what we do and what we're doing here today. But it is a really dark day in the United States of America yesterday and today. All right. Uh, Today, for about a half hour, I watched the John Gruden proceedings that was streamed. Uh, It was streamed online today. The Review Journal had a link. And I watched this as John Gruden's attorneys made the case why why this case needs to go on. 650,000 emails. And only John Gruden's were selected. And those emails, which he wrote or responded to, which had the comments of Coach Gruden, Coach Gruden was ended up resigning. We know the direction where that's going to go. There's a lot of money at stake. Uh, the Raiders were put in a very uncomfortable situation. Mark Davis with his great friend John Gruden, Coach Gruden, and the fact that he was going to lose his opportunity. Now the money, what could happen to get his name back, his apology tour, whatever he needs to do. The NFL wants this to go away. The NFL wants to suppress this. They want it to go away. They want it to go to arbitration. They don't want it to go to trial. So I watched a half an hour, and it was really good because uh, Gruden's attorneys laid out the case that this has to go to trial, and people need to hear this, and it can't be the old guard of the NFL. And Roger Goodell wanting this to go away and going into arbitration, and Roger Goodell having the hammer to do whatever he wants to do. There, There's a lot happening now in the NFL And I told you about it, and we are very open to these topics here because they had direct effect on me, 
you as a Raider fan? No doubt about it. And Coach Gruden has to stand on his own with his attorneys for the final outcome. I don't know what he wants the outcome to be. I think he wants to coach again. I think he wants to come back. I think he has to go down a certain path to do it. But first, it has to start in a courtroom where the NFL can't suppress this and just hope it goes away. And it looks like the case is a strong case for John Gruden going forward and at least getting this case heard publicly. And it could involve Congress. And it could, we know it involves the Washington commanders. Why was his emails the only emails that were taken out of 650,000? Who else were on those emails? Do you think Coach Gruden was the only one to comment on jokes and comments along the way? How many other people were on those emails that you and I think we know but we can't confirm? Wink, wink. And the NFL has got to let this play out because the most important thing here, and I I never supported the comments in the emails, nor would I. But you know what Coach Gruden's meant to me and how much I've cared about him and a lot of Raider fans have. Everybody in this country needs to have their day in court. They need to have their day in court to tell their story. And that's what this is all about going forward. Will the NFL be so powerful that they'll win and the court will send this to arbitration and there won't be a trial? Or will the sanity of what happened here easily bring it to trial so there doesn't have to be an appeal process, appeal process, and appeal process? I can tell you one thing I know, which is guaranteed positive. John Gruden is not in this for the money. He's not in this for the money. He's got plenty of money. John Gruden's in this for his legacy as a coach and his name and his family. And I don't know what's, how it's going to play out, but it's not a headline today. You look around and a lot of the NFL media partners who partner with the NFL don't seem to have the editors and the writers available to put this up as a headline here and get into it. Mike Florio is the only one who does it at Pro Football Talk. So we'll cover this when there's news and tell you about it because other outlets are going to suppress it and not tell you about this because they're too tied to the NFL, either reporters, hosts, whatever, and they don't want to go down this road. Just cover it the way it is. It's a news story, like Watergate back in the day, anything that happens on Congressional Hill. I like when Congress gets involved in sports. I've always said this. The only reason why Congress gets involved in sports is when sports can't figure out their trash and their mess, and they can't figure it out on their own. So what they do is they hide, they cover up, you know, Jose Canseco wrote a $32 book, and it brought down baseball. You don't have to like Jose Canseco, but he wrote a book, Juiced, and that book, which I have five feet away from me on a bookshelf here, that book took down Major League Baseball because baseball was covering it up, Bud Selig was covering it up, and then finally Congress said, what the hell is going on here? This is an embarrassment. You have tax breaks, tax advantages. The Major League, America's pastime, everybody get up to the Rayburn building. Everybody swear under oath and answer some damn tough questions, and we'll see who's lying or not. Palmero lied. McGuire destroyed his Hall of Fame legacy. Sosa, everybody there. The only guy who cleared his name in federal court was Roger Clemens. Everybody was up there, all because Jose Canseco, who was sitting on the far end, wrote a book and said, hey, I'm not the guy you're coming after. It's all these other guys, too. And when it comes to these Gruden emails, there's so much more to this story that we don't know. And we'll see how much we find out about it going forward. That's the monologue brought to you by Remy Martin. We're working with Remy Martin again for another full year. I can't tell you how much that partnership means. The botanist gin, Remy Martin, the, old, the cocktails that they have and the service that they do. 
every bar in Vegas, every lounge, you see Remy Martin. From Louis to all of their, I think, VSOPs, which are great. And we just love Remy Martin. And we thank them for a partnership for another year here. So that's where I'm going. 702-365-9200. We'll get to a Raider alumni coming up here in a little bit. Jeff Sherman will readjust the odds. But it's going to be a more focused conversation on the Raiders and what it will take for the Raiders, A, to make the playoffs, to win the division, to get to the Super Bowl and win. You'll know today, by the top of the hour, what you should do to bet on the Raiders if you believe in them going farther. So when we come back, we'll do that, and we'll open up the show and get it going. 702-365-9200. Good to have my dad and mom in town. Big day yesterday. Kind of have a little bit of a food coma from one steak. Our new partner, Virgin Hotel. Virgin Hotels, where you have some of the best restaurants in town. And yesterday, it was one steak. My son, my youngest son, and my dad split the tomahawk. And that's why I still have a food coma. This JT the Brick Legends moment is brought to you by M Resort, the official team headquarters hotel of the Las Vegas Raiders. Engel is offset. Carr comes up underneath Hudson. He's right there. Now he can go to the top, reach over the end zone, and he's got the touchdown. Jackpot, baby. Derek Carr returns to action and scores a touchdown, leaping over his center, Hudson. Brent Musburger on the call, who was kind enough to call my dad and my son together on their birthday yesterday. Nice to get a call from the godfather, class act, Brent Musburger, voice of the Raiders. Dennis Price is kind enough to join us, brought to us by M Resort Spawn Casino, former defensive back from Long Beach Poly in L.A. for high school, UCLA for college football, and the Los Angeles Raiders before the New York Jets. Dennis, thanks so much for doing this. Hope you're well. Thanks for coming on. I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, tell us the backstory again. To play at such a big high school, what was your background as a young boy playing multiple sports, I'm assuming, where you decided that football was going to be your future? Well, football was always my favorite sport, and uh, I started playing football when I was eight. And, you know, I ran track, I played baseball, did a couple other things. and But football always held a special place in my heart, and uh, the Raiders as well, because uh my grandmother babysat for a Raider legend, uh, uh, the late, great Gene Upshaw. Wow. She babysat uh, him and his brother, Marvin Upshaw, who played for the Kansas City Chiefs back in the hometown of Robstown, Texas. So I kind of had a tie with the Raiders from then, and uh, just with their success and some of the things that, that the Raiders had, had uh, demonstrated through the years, they were, they were always kind of one of my favorite teams. So I'm assuming Dennis Track played a big role with your speed and the ability to transition into a defensive back. When you get to high school and a high school that's known for so many legendary athletes on top of so many legendary celebrities over the years, what was it like there at Long Beach Poly getting there and deciding that you had a chance maybe to play at the next level in college? Well, Competition and practice was heavy because there there were plenty of guys that were you know a little older than me that were that were uh, that were capable of playing at a high level and going to college and that thing. So the competition was there. You had to demonstrate it every day. Um, we had coaches that got the job done and and kind of 
gave us advanced techniques and advanced schemes to play in that that helped us get ready for for the higher levels of football. So it it was it was more or less training to be professionals almost. Um, you know, with the level of competition and some of the coaching that we got there. Excellent, outstanding. So you get an opportunity to play, you get recruited to UCLA. What was that like with the opportunity in the Rose Bowl and to play in such a big venue and the just your your career there, you're in a spotlight in LA and you stay at home and play for a program at that time, which is a big time program. What was that transition like for you? That was uh you know, I just just going right up to four oh five UCLA, you know, uh that was one of UCLA's heydays in the early to mid mid to late eighties. Uh uh, they had won the, the Rose Bowl prior to me getting there, and then we went to the Rose Bowl uh, my freshman year, and then my uh, uh, my true freshman year, and then my sophomore year when I uh, after registering. Um, so I got a couple Rose Bowl rings out of the deal, and you know, living in the city, uh, you know, with 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 a large football following because the Raiders and Rams are doing well. Uh, you know, the Raiders had just had were were uh, coming off of a Super Bowl in '84. Um, against the against the Redskins, which is kind of a funny story because we had a guy, one of my college roommates, was from Virginia, and he was rooting for the Redskins. And when Marcus broke off that seventy-four yard uh, cutback touchdown run, we ran him out of the room from that. My my other uh, one of my other roommates who also went to Poly went to UCLA with me, Chucky Miller. We ran him out with the Raiders with that Raider victory. Outstanding, Dennis Price is our guest. So I got to assume Al Davis speed seeing you were, what you were able to do in college, 1988, round five, pick number 131. Uh, give us your draft story and how Mr. Davis found you and what was the early years like with Mr. Davis? Well, you know, when I, uh, when, I was coming out of, when I was coming out of college, I worked out for the Raiders at the facility in El Segundo, and, you know, I, think, I thought I did a, a pretty good job, but I didn't hear from the Raiders, so I wasn't expecting to go from the Raiders. I would have loved to stay at home you know, going into the draft, but I didn't think the Raiders, uh, I think the Raiders had other ideas. And then that day of the draft, um, I had a local, I had a local uh, newspaper reporter spend the day with me. I knew I wasn't getting drafted in the first, second, third round, but uh, he spent most of the day with me and, and the draft was going on and on. And it got, he had got to my house, the newspaper guy got to my house about 10 that morning. And then by five, he was still there, but I hadn't gotten drafted. So I'm thinking, like, I'm going to have to go through this all again tomorrow. And I told him I was going to take a nap. And then, like, 30 minutes later, I got the call, and I spoke with uh, Mike Shanahan and Willie Brown, and they told me that, that the Raiders had selected me, and I had no idea that, you know, I was on their radar. Dennis Price, wow, getting a phone call from Willie Brown. I'm sure that's something that stays with you today. What are your fondest memories with the Raiders, making the team, playing for a few seasons, and your teammates? When you look back at your years with the Raiders, what stands out to you? Just some of the guys that were on the team while I was there, you know, some of the larger-than-life figures like uh, Howie Long, Matt Millen, uh, Bo Jackson, uh, just the list goes on. You know, Greg Towns, and I just ran into him a couple weeks ago uh, down in Long Beach, and he's still looking like he can put his hand in the dirt <laughs> after the quarterback. Yeah. Um, and just seeing those games and, you know, the camaraderie that we had in the locker room, uh, you know, playing cards in the locker room, uh, the 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 – excitement and rambunctious locker room before games because most locker rooms I've been in prior to coming to the Raiders it was real quiet letting everybody do their own thing to get into their own thoughts but the Raiders locker room would be like music blasting guys playing cards getting ready and being loose and ready to go to go play a football game 
Fantastic. Dennis, as we wrap this up, you have a son in the league who's played for a couple of teams here, Colts, Ravens, and Chiefs especially. What's that like? How proud are you to have a son to make it to the league? And, you know, as a dad growing up and not pressuring your son but letting him find his way on his own to the NFL, that must be an unbelievable accomplishment for your family. It is, exactly. We're, we're, we're really proud of his accomplishments. Um, you know, obviously he worked very hard and he, uh, he, he learned his lessons well. And I didn't want to push him towards football. It just kind of naturally him. Football was his favorite sport. Um, so it, just, it was a natural progression. And the level of play uh, that he exhibited during, during his uh, playing career, you know, took him to that level. I didn't have anything to do with it, obviously, other than whatever genes he, I passed on. Mm-hmm. But as far as pushing him, his talent spoke for itself, and uh, I just kind of helped guide him along the way. Thank you, Dennis. I hope we see you out here. You're planning on coming to Vegas for a game this year? Love to have you out here. I know what the alumni oh. think of you, so I appreciate that. You plan on coming? Oh, I do plan on coming. Uh, you know, we had a nice time at the alumni reunion last year, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to getting to a game this season. Look forward to seeing you. Thanks for doing this today. All the best. All right. Thank you for having me. You got it. Dennis Price, former defensive back for the Raiders, and his son Sheldon plays in the NFL now. And once a Raider, always a Raider. Brought to you by M Resort Spa and Casino. We appreciate that. 702-365-9200. You don't want to have all these interviews and some of the players you might not recognize more so than the Hall of Famers that we have on. We've had on a bunch of them lately. They all have a story. They all have an incredible story about how they got a call from Al Davis. And I just got a text from former UCLA quarterback Matt Stevens, who listens to the show, and said, JT, nice interview. He's a retired police officer, great dude, one of my favorites. And uh, thanks for doing that. Yeah, we interview anyone who played for the Raiders. You can play the season, you can play 10 games, you can be in the Hall of Fame with a gold jacket. That's what we try to do here, educate the new market of Vegas to the history of this team and their alumni, which Mark Davis thinks so highly of. I don't know many owners who think of their alumni the way that Mark Davis and Mrs. Davis do. And we put them on the radio. Hope you enjoy that. Thanks again to the M Resort Spot and Casino. I want to get into what happened with the Warriors. We played Steve Kerr's sound. I'm going to play it again uh, next hour so we can hear the gravity of it and what he said. And the Warriors lost yesterday. A lot of our listeners are streaming in the Bay Area. And Warrior fans are scratching their head on how they could lay an egg against Memphis in a game that John Morant didn't play How could you lose to Dallas when Dallas is packed to go home? Warriors get sloppy. They're a sloppy team at times, and when they're not sloppy, they're beautiful to watch. They move the ball. They shoot threes. They make the extra pass. They play defense. They do everything right. But when they get away from it and they can't hit their open shots and their threes, they become a little bit above average. They're not a great team. And maybe that's the problem with the NBA this year. There just aren't a lot of great teams. There aren't many great teams. We thought it could be the Lakers, some, and the Brooklyn Nets before the season started. Phoenix was the best team in basketball all year long. They had 11 more wins than the Warriors. But the Warriors are healthy now, and now they have to go back home and play an extra game in San Francisco, which gives them an extra opportunity for an injury or something here. And I think they wasted a game there. But I give Luka Doncic and Dallas credit. And they had the leak in the ceiling. That's another story that people are talking about. And we'll get into that. Ryan Ludwig will join us at the top of the hour. Newest member of the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. Bill Williamson is going to be fantastic on the legacy of cars so far, statistically. Looking forward to that. Kevin Bollinger 
as the media is getting ready to set, uh, set up to see the Raiders tomorrow at the facility. We'll talk to him about the Raider coverage coming up for Fox 5. And on deck, Jeff Sherman will join us. He's the VP of Risk Management. And I just, I've just i been texting back and forth with him. Stay here with me, Raider Nation. We're going to dive into the Raiders and the Raiders' odds of making the playoffs, Super Bowl, winning the division, all Raiders and gambling. And we'll do that and some adjusted odds in the NBA. JT, brought to you by Sam and Ash, Injury Law. Sam and Ash, law.com, because you deserve what's right. Sam and Ash, my personal injury attorneys here in Vegas. for his seventh three of game seven. It's sandwich time, man. Damn. That's Celtics Radio on the call. JT back with you as we continue. Warriors drop a game last night. They shouldn't have any problem uh, knocking out Dallas and advancing to the NBA Finals. Jeff Sherman joins us, VP of Risk Management, as he's always kind enough to join us on Tuesdays. We were off yesterday. We get him here on a Wednesday. And, Jeff, before we get to the Raiders, which I wanted to go heavy on today, I see tonight Boston-Miami. Uh, you have Boston currently minus three. A couple other spots having around two and a half uh, total on this game, 204. Tell me about this game here because the series has been ugly, back and forth and blowouts here. Is it really difficult so far to handicap the series? Well, you know, we expect to see a lot of Boston support at this point because if you look throughout the, the series, Boston's won 14 out of the 16 quarters in the four games, so it really hasn't been that close except for a few quarters. Boston's pretty much dominated. So in this spot, you're expecting a lot of people to be involved with Boston off their win, plus there's rumors out there about the Heat having some COVID issues tonight, Mm -hmm. too. So we opened the line, Boston minus one and a half, and we've driven it up to three because of that. Uh, What happened with the Warriors last night, in in your opinion? I thought... The Warriors would want to put Dallas away quite quickly and not have to extend their legs in that series there. But, you know, i got to give Dallas credit. They showed up. They showed up big. Luka did his job, and I thought they were better coached. And plus the emotion of Steve Kerr pregame. That was a wild night. Yeah, Jason Kidd had his team really prepared, and it looks like Golden State just went through the motions last night. So, you know, we inflated the spread for the next game a little bit. We would have had six, six and a half, but... We opened seven and a half, just thinking that there's more concentration on the home game. Mm-hmm. Last night almost looked like a pass for them. Jeff Sherman from the Westgate. I want to get into the Raiders, Jeff, because you live in Vegas like I do. And for our listeners all over, so many have asked me about the Raiders and the eight and a half number and why we're seeing the Chargers. And Kansas City, I understand why, but Denver who the Raiders have won the last four games, all ahead of the Raiders when it comes to season win totals. Let's start there. Yeah, it, it comes down to simply we put a point spread on every game the entire season for every team. And we take that point spread, and it has an associated money line with it, and we convert that money line into a probability of that team winning the game. Then we go through the schedule, we add that up, and we get to a number. And the number for Denver comes out 10.4. Uh, the Raiders comes out like 8.7. And so we basically price the season wins to that so it's on the perception of what the point spreads are for the entire season 
All right, so for the Raiders, when you look at the AFC West and what's happened, the big news seems to be Russell Wilson coming over to Denver. How's that changed with Denver and Denver in association with the Raiders? They play twice each year, obviously, in the division there. Are you getting a lot of sharp money coming on the Broncos because clearly the quarterback's one of the best in football? Well, getting a lot of public money on the Broncos. Mm. Uh, you know, we had them at 30-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. They're down to 20-1, to 1, and it's wow. been a lot of public support that way. Uh, same thing with their season win and making the playoffs. And it's not too much sharp, but mostly public at this point. Uh, but it's been even more pronounced with the Raiders. The Raiders represent our largest liability in the Super Bowl future. We open them at 60. We're down to 30. And so people really like the moves they made. And, you know, people like to get behind offense, and their offense looks like it should be very potent this year. So have you moved the Raiders at all, considering moving the Raiders here on the season win total, considering what the public's doing with the silver and black? Uh, we haven't yet. We opened eight and a half flat. We're still sitting there, but any type of mm-hmm. movement that we get will be involved with the price. It's going to take a lot for us to get to nine, because then that means that they would have to get to the ten, and and those season win numbers. It, it really takes a lot to move them a half a win because of how valuable they are in a short season. Jeff Sherman, I want to stay there. So you said it would take a lot to get the Raiders from eight and a half to nine, and the over on nine is obviously ten. So. That, that's something that will take significant dollars coming in, uh, driving the Raiders that way, and you don't sense you're going to see that? Uh, we don't expect it. I mean, we can okay. see the price trending upwards, which we've already seen from the public. It would take a combination of overwhelming public plus some sharp for us to do that, because even if some sharps got involved, we might move the price more aggressively. But if it was a large combination of both factors, then we could see getting to like a 9 under 30. Jeff Sherman's our guest from the Westgate. Go to the Westgate. It's fantastic, everybody. There's not a better experience going inside a legendary sports book to watch games. The service is incredible. If you get a booth, if you're able to sit at the bar, just the experience there is second to none. You truly feel like a big-time sports gambler when you get in there and you're treated like a rock star. As we wrap this up, any significant move in the NFL since you opened up and especially posted? Everybody's fascinated, Jeff, the way you post the lines for every individual game all year long throughout the whole schedule. Was there a game or a week or two that surprised you and jumped out at you when you saw the handle? You know, it's been very minimal so far. And a Mm -hmm. lot of people that have been betting have been betting differences to other places. So we've seen a little bit, you know, we've had some movement uh, against the Cleveland Browns. I think we're a little bit more aggressive. And there's some people out there that think that Deshaun Watson is going to be involved with the suspension. So they're betting against the Browns right now. So that's been the most noticeable one. And in the title futures itself, you know, Tampa was obviously the big one. We've talked about Tom Brady returning where they were 25 to one. Now they're a co-favorite to seven to one. Uh, so we've seen some fluctuations up and down in the, in the Super Bowl futures too. Uh, Jeff, finally, I want to ask you about my Yankees and baseball, the Dodgers. We've got a lot of Dodger fans listening. Uh, where's the movement coming in baseball now? The Yankees got off to that really good start. they got a couple of injuries now, and we just know how loaded the Dodgers are. Other than the Yankees and the Dodgers, maybe another team or two where you're seeing some money come in from the public there early in the season here. Well, lately, surprisingly enough, it's been the Mariners and their poor start. We've eaten yeah. them out to 200-1, to but now we've been seeing support for Seattle. That's been the most notable one over the past couple of weeks. Uh, you mentioned the Yankees, and um, I have to throw it in because they're down to 5-1, to one and the public's really involved with them, and mm-hmm. Aaron Judge is a 5-2 to two favorite for the home run title, and we're still seeing support, so they're very popular right now. Excellent. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on today.
All right. Thanks, JT. That's Jeff Sherman, VP of Risk Management over at the Westgate. So very important. My big takeaway from that is that the Raiders are going to be stuck at eight and a half. In order to move that number to nine, there's going to have to be a boatload of money coming in and sharp money. Okay, the pros are going to have to come in on that, and they haven't already. And maybe that's just because, look at your calendar here, we're still in the month of May, and maybe when we get to August, that number can move. But if you're a Raider fan, and you're betting the Raiders' season win total at 8.5, what are you waiting on? Basically, that's the guy we just had on. He says it's going to take a lot to move that to 9. And if you do move it to 9, that means the Raiders have to win 10 games for you to cash your ticket. Most Raider fans who call this show believe that. So if you have the odds to win the Super Bowl is one thing. Those are long odds because the Raiders aren't respected enough nor expected to win the Super Bowl. But they should be expected to win nine games, and you can get that number not only at the Westgate but a couple of places in town. I think it's fascinating there because a lot of people don't like to park money on a futures bet. You park money there, but again, if you park money now in the stock market, you're getting your head ripped off. Interest rates are going up. So I know guys who recently put 400, 500 on the Raiders just on the season win total. They're not betting them to win the division. They're not betting them to win the AFC or go to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl. They're betting the Raiders to go over, but not enough that's going to move that line. Thanks again to Jeff. And for the NBA, it seems like I'm looking at this game tonight. Uh, Boston, a three-point favorite at Miami. Miami was god-awful in that last game. The score was 18-1 to early in that game. They played their way, Miami, out of the game in Boston in the first five minutes of the game. Game was over. You would think they rested Jimmy Butler the entire second half. He barely played. They're playing at home. Playing at home should give them the ability to bounce back. They're going to have the home crowd there. And they're a home dog with home court advantage left. Two out of the next three games are in Miami. But if Miami loses this one, I expect Boston to close them out in game six. I like Miami. I think Bam Adebayo, when he plays a bad game, plays a good game after that. Jimmy Butler got all the rest, didn't play late in the game. I think he's going to be inspired to play. I like Miami coming out and making a statement here. But also last night, I loved the Warriors putting away Dallas. And I think a lot of it had to do with Steve Kerr and the emotion of that team. The shooting in Texas got Steve Kerr emotionally worked up and drained for that game. He was not right, nor should he have been. We'll play that Steve Kerr sound coming up here on the other side. And I mentioned the John Gruden case, which opened today. There's more talk about Deshaun Watson. As Jeff just said, people are fading the Browns because they're expecting some type of suspension. Could be six to eight games. Jake Trotter from ESPN reported yesterday two women who have accused Deshaun Watson of inappropriate sexual conduct condemned the Browns for then giving him $230 million guaranteed. Now, these are two women, and women make up a massive portion of the NFL fan base. How many women do you think are going to be rooting for the Cleveland Browns outside of Cleveland Brown fans knowing this? Ashley Sola said, quote, it's like a big screw you. She said to Brian Gumbel of Real Sports, that's what it feels like, that they don't care. He can run and throw. And that's all we care about. He's facing 22 civil lawsuits. That's Deshaun Watson. Ryan Ludwig, a former baseball all-star, will join us next Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame.